You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talkback program. Everybody needs hope, some kind of peace of mind that they can call their own. And everybody needs love, just a little trust. Cause sometimes eating, sleeping, breathing just ain't enough. As long as the truth is on the table, as long as there's kindness down the line, like the little babies in the cradle. This woman is indeed a superstar, but of course she's so much more than what the media reports. She's a super mom, indeed a super woman, overcoming domestic violence, panic attacks, and a life-threatening disease to raise two megastar daughters, Winona and Ashley Judd. A Grammy Award-winning country music singer and New York Times best-selling author, host of Naomi's New Morning on the Hallmark Channel, and now out with her latest book, Naomi's Guide to Aging Gratefully. Naomi, are you surprised that people are surprised that you are such, and I wouldn't say expert because I don't think you're going to claim to be that, but you you have just done your homework. This book, Naomi's Guide to Aging Gratefully, and I want to talk about gratefully in just a second, but facts, myths, and good news for boomers, you've done the work. Well, if we, if we love the example and the man who was Christ, and the Son of God is Christ. If we really strive for spiritual and personal excellence, how can you not? I mean, when I wake up every day, and I have learned so much from uh, studying Buddhism, and I love Thich Nhat Hanh's work when I had panic attacks. His books really helped me to slow down and simplify. And... You can't say that. You're a Christian. Oh, get over it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, when I was in such pain with panic disorder, I had severe panic attacks when I was diagnosed with Hep C because I manifested all eight of the precursors setting you up for panic disorder. I don't do things. I mean, I know I sound like a drama queen, but that's the way my life was at that moment. The, the eight things that can set a person up to have a panic attack because of my lifestyle, because of where I was um, professionally in every which way, I had all of the eight things. For instance, separation anxiety. Winona had never been apart from me a day in her life. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to have to leave the duet. Um, responsibility. I was like the CEO of this huge corporation that had contracts signed for concerts for a year. Mm. So I was in such anguish, and I was physically sick, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, because hepatitis C will kill four times more Americans than AIDS will in the next decade. Wow. Yeah, people don't know that, but it's a killer. And anybody that's listened to the sound of our voices, please go to my website, NaomiJudd.com, because I'm the 
spokesperson for the American Liver Foundation, and we're working on it. Okay. I was in such bad shape. When I started reading Thich Nhat Hanh's little book that talks about how everything is a spiritual act if it's practiced with gratitude, for instance, when I wake up in the morning and I start to drift into conscious state, I have a choice. I can say, good God, it's morning. Or I could say, good morning, God. And then I find out from studying with psychologists that we find that the first ten minutes that you're awake, the attitude that you choose, because there is no wrong side of the bed, it's all in your head, the attitude you choose sets the tone for the day. So if I put my feet on the ground here at the side of my bed, I'm actually sitting in my bed with my dogs in my lap as we speak, when I put my feet on the ground, I realize I am plugging into electromagnetic biomagnetic force field of the earth. I am part of this earth, and I love nature. That's why I live in the wilderness, down to the acres of wilderness. When I go in to brush my teeth, and I put the toothpaste and the running warm water, you're talking to a girl that lived without running water for a while <laughs> and, and heated with a wood stove, so I really appreciate my luxuries like running water. <laughs> it's a simple thing. But I realize that I'm cleaning my mouth and I want my words to be a result of clean thoughts. Hmm. When you open the shade in the bathroom and I look out onto these woods and these fields, I realize that it is a brand new day and there are unlimited horizons and I literally get to choose my reaction. I can't control the way things are, but I get to control my reactions to them. And Thich Nhat Hanh, this little bald-headed Buddhist guy wearing a towel, taught me that. It helped save my life. How can I not be grateful for that? Sure, sure. One thing I've tried to do for a long time is um, first thing out of bed, and I have failed miserably because, as I've admitted many times, my spiritual disciplines are hopeless. But I've, I mean, just don't a, use that word. Well, okay. What are they? They suck. You can say less than perfect, less <laughs> yeah. than what you less, less than optimal. Yeah. Okay. They suck. Um, I, I try. I just roll out of bed, and the first thing I want to try to do is hit my knees. And see, this doesn't even take any effort. This is just letting gravity take care of it. You know, just dropping to my knees. I think Tony Campolo maybe shared that with me one time. Just a good way to just start the day. Just start on your knees, you know. Is he a good guy? I've never met him. Oh, he's phenomenal. He okay. is absolutely. He has just been an inspiring man for me for over 25 years. I've been doing the Jesus thing for for uh, 25 plus years. Now, what about you? You grew up in the church family, and uh, you must have been a serious pain in the butt to your Sunday school teacher. Everybody on TV recently. My mom was being interviewed. And she- they asked her, what was it like having her as a kid? She said, it was like having Shirley Temple in my home. <laughs> I was the most happy, smiling all the time. And I, my phrase was, tell me more about that. I was always tugging on Mama's skirt saying, tell me another because. I just had this insatiable curiosity. The first thing she wrote in my baby book was that I had such a vivid imagination. Um... I I knew, and I've never, I know this sounds unreal, but I've never not believed in God. 
And I totally understand and empathize with people like you and, and my friends, some of my family members even, that are going through the dark night of the soul and have their their blank spaces. But I've just always known that the God that created the whole thinking universe is plural. Uh, some of my physicist friends, you really need to, I'm going to tell you a couple of guys you have, need to have on. Dr. Bill Phillips won the Nobel Prize in Physics. Uh, he's in Washington, D.C. He and a couple of other physicist friends of mine are trying to prove the existence of God through hard science. And another guy, Dr. Um, Francis Collins, head of the Human Genome Research Project at the NIH, has a great book out called The Language of God. Wow. Yep, Reconciling Spirituality and Science. Oh, you know what? I just saw that in Chapters the other day. What's Chapters? Uh, that's a bookstore. Well, you need to have them on. Francis and I have been buddies for 12 years. He literally decoded the human genome sequence in 2000. You've seen him on the cover of Time magazine. He rocks. He's just so brilliant. I think before I read, I read these guys' books, I think you're going to have to help me develop my hippocampus. <laughs> See? But, uh, yeah, these guys are now helping me sort of, I guess the words validate my instinctive, intuitive belief that there's this entity so much bigger than any words that I could come up with. And when I was a child, I loved Sunday school. I loved church. I was always first one in the car. Um, I even wore hats and gloves because I just loved the whole ritual and the emotional um, puzzle of our church coming together. Mm-hmm. And I loved the consistency of, in the second pew, said all the little old widowed ladies. And I, I don't know, just the whole community come in unity. But yeah, I was the uh, I was the irreverent one in the Sunday school waving my hand. <laughs> <laughs> It was like a mystery. I love mysteries. I got I'm not I, afraid of death. It's the ultimate mystery. And I'm, I almost died recently. Well, last year I almost choked to death in front of our family at, at our Christmas dinner at Ashley's house. Was that you're eating cheeseburgers? No, that was this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, last year Ashley sets this real elaborate dinner table, Christmas Day, and I thought it was a vitamin. I'm a vitamin freak. I take vitamins all day. She'd given me a lozenge, a throat lozenge that was size of a quarter. You don't swallow those suckers. You only <laughs> hold them in your mouth. And I was so entranced with this warm and fuzzy banter going on on Christmas Day. I plopped this huge lozenge into my mouth, gulp of water. Of course, it plugged my, my windpipe. I was about to lose consciousness, and I was staring at the faces of the people that I love the most. And... Uh, even in that moment, as frantic as I was not to die in front of them, I mean, my grandchildren standing there crying, um, Larry Heim licking me. I had to go to the doctor because he broke my ribs, but that's okay. Even in that moment, Drew, I knew, I thought, okay, I'm getting ready to see the face of Jesus. What's that going to be like? But I just didn't want to die in that fashion on Christmas Day and mark Jesus' birthday for the rest of their lives. Good thing you're stubborn. Well, it's a good thing Ashley was persistent. She had teas, so she kept giving me 
sips of this really warm water that started to dissolve the lozenge, and it ever so slightly tilted on its side before I lost consciousness. Wow. Wow. Your place down in Leaper's Fork, it's a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get that oak tree planted up by the front porch? Yes. Ashley gave it to me for Christmas this year. I was on Larry King a month or so ago with his new book for the hour. And I know people are so, and it disturbs me on one hand that people know more about my family than they do about their own because of our celebrity culture. But people are always asking questions like, what did the girls get you for Christmas? Well, last year I got Winona um, these fake deer, plaster deer for her yard. And what did she get me? She got me something goofy. Uh, but real. I mean, it sounds odd to other people. You know, in Kentucky, hillbillies call it yard art, but that's what I got her. Well, this year she gave me this fabulous, huge Bible, like the size of a dictionary, because I'm adding on a room, a great room, and Ashley gave me an oak tree to plant by the front porch. Well, you, I think Leaper's Fork and that road up past your place is probably one of the most beautiful drives I've ever, I've ever had. What? You've been here? Yep. Didn't know I was a stalker, did you? Well, I would have fixed your chicken and dumplings. <laughs> when were you out here? I went down for uh, the GMA week uh, last year. Is that right? And uh, that was the biggest gathering of uh, wannabes, look at me's, and Christianese I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That was a weird week, man. So I bugged out of there. I got in a convertible and uh, said, if I want to go see some nice country, where do I go? And they said, Leaper's Fork. So. Oh. Yep. You guys so got a, you have a beautiful spread, let me tell you. I mean, we feel like we we're in the middle of a National Geographic special. Oh heck yeah, yeah. Even that uh, pasture or flatland across the road from you, that just butts up against the hill. It's just beautiful out there. Yeah, I'm not into materialism. I just want to buy a land so Walmart can get it. <laughs> very anti-progress. Do you uh, hang out at Bourbon Street Blues very much there in Printer's Alley and sing your guts out and party no, on? No, we've, we've been there a couple of times because we love to dance. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my sister last night who just, what well, was her birthday? She turned 55. She's got to have surgery on her shoulder because she fell on the dance floor and uh, hurt her shoulder. But, yeah, the Judds are dancing fools, I have to say. Have you ever heard of a, uh, a uh, blues harp player named uh, Daryl Mansfield? He's an old Christian rocker from a long time ago, and Brian Duncan and myself were down in the Bourbon Street Blues down in Printer's Alley having a having a. And you know what? I could not believe how much talent there was in Nashville during GMA Week. Maybe it's a year round, but at these various clubs, and there's seven people listening to these incredible performers. I know. Now was Mitch Art and um, Blues You Can Use or? Blues stew down there when you were down there? Well, he was trying out a blues band uh, for so that when he came into Nashville to do some recording, he could use these guys. And the, the guitar player looked like he was just some trucker from ZZ Top. Ah! He was phenomenal. He was just cutting it big time. So, anyway, it was good. I, and we you know. used Jelly Roll Johnson for harp. Oh, okay. He's been around a long time. We actually just lost Terry McMillan. Huh. you know who Terry McMillan was? No. This is the downside of uh, country music. He was one of the first people that we met when we moved here in 79. Um, fabulous <laughs> harp player. He was like the A session. A, a session, of course, for your listeners, means triple scale studio musician. Mm. Everybody wants him on their, on their records. So he becomes a Christian. Next thing you know, he's into dope. 
uh, I mean, bad dope, heroin, and all that. And Larry and I would help Peggy, his wife, and his kids out. Everybody was sort of pitching in in the Christian music community and all that. Poor guy was such an addict. He died last week. Oh, no. Drugs. So. What is the cloud that hangs over Nashville? I mean, talk about, I mean, you know, which comes first? The lyrics about hard life or the hard life in Nashville? It is just an amazing scene over there. The the amount of broken marriages and, and hurting lives, it's scary. Well, that's what art is. Art is about, and I don't care if it's, it's about the human spirit. And I think uh, music, which is the language of God, I've always said music is a window to heaven because just like with David, um, scattering their acorns by playing music before they went into battle and all that. We've always, and I studied this. Entrainment is the, the sound waves, which are physical properties. Entrainment is how music affects our organ systems. My husband, for instance, is a bass singer. He was Elvis Presley's bass singer. When Larry sings, or if you have ever been next to the monitors, the speakers at a concert, you can feel the bass. Hmm. Um, sound waves. Physical properties. Then psychoacoustics is how music affects our brainwave activity, alpha, beta, delta, theta, brainwave brainwave activity, and that's why I'm so against rap music. It affects our brain in a very negative way. For instance, when I studied voodoo, the shamans, uh, the practitioners of voodoo put you in a hypnotic state, so you're very suggestible. So what I'm saying is music is the language of our spirit, and we have to be very discerning about what we allow in. I have studies of how certain music can cause plants to wither and dry up. Some music will encourage it to grow. It really stimulates photosynthesis. Now, if you take the poetry, I say that words are the clothes our thoughts wear. If you take the poetry of everyday, ordinary life moments, um, I've got a hot mug of coffee, very aromatic coffee here with steam, and I feel the warmth of the cup. I I see the the steam, and I, I certainly smell and enjoy the taste. All five senses are being engaged. And I want to be as graphic as I can in writing a song about my little morning ritual here. Because it's universal. Everybody knows what coffee smells like. Everybody gets it. Yep. You know, one of the first things that turned me off of country music a long time ago was the fact that there seemed to be so many of these folks singing about the hard life, you know, or or even the country life. and. You know, I knew that many of them, if not the majority of them, had never toiled a day in their life. You know, they wouldn't know how deep to dig up corner posts. They wouldn't know not to bale wet hay. And they certainly haven't gone through the kind of hard hardships that you have gone through. Well, I'm pretty ticked off at country music. I don't listen to it anymore because I think it's counterfeit. It's almost like a third-generation fax. Yeah. It's just such a pale copy. Yeah. Now, you've got somebody like Alan Jackson. I knew Alan and Denise, his wife. Uh, He was our opening act. We gave him his first gigs. In fact, our drummer, Eddie Bears, here in Nashville, called me at home one day. Everybody calls me Mm Mammal. 
I can still remember the phone call. He goes, Mamma, I'm, I'm doing a record right now on this guy named Alan Jackson. He's hanging drywall. He's got a little blonde-headed wife who's here with him. She's working to support him. They just came up from Alabama. Mamma, we got to get him to open our, our shows for us. I'm telling you, he's going to be the next big thing. And he was this all shucks man kind of guy, and his mom's name is Maddie, and I just loved him to pieces. And I thought, son, if you can keep writing and keep this integrity, keep being authentic, everybody's going to love this because they're going to feel it in their memory. Um, they're just going to embrace you. But nowadays, don't get me started. Focus groups, marketing execs, nah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, listen, you have a life, and uh, I have just been absolutely blessed by sharing some of that with you. Thank you for... Will you come be on my show? I would love to be Let's on your show. Let's stir it up. We would, you know, I think as long as you have a seven-second <laughs> delay and some some sensors, we'll be doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, and I still I still have a hard time. You know what? Just before we go, this is a kind of a, a dusty ending here, but... Uh, you're one of the top ten sexiest grandparents in the world. And he, you've got this book, Naomi's Guide to Aging Gratefully, Facts, Myths, and Good News for Boomers. And I love the fact that you used gratefully instead of gracefully. Big difference. Well, gratitude is everything. And I figured that out when I had nothing. Hmm. Zero zip zilch. Uh, but I learned early on that I didn't want to waste a drop of my life no matter what I was going through maybe if I'd just gotten kicked in the teeth I'd still go okay I've still got a few left to chew with (laughs) 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 I've learned that if you focus on what's right about what's wrong um, it will stimulate your beleaguered immune system it will make people want to be around you you're going to groove um, if you can live in that moment. And the strange thing is, when you're taking care of business and living in what I call the eternal now, the present moment, putting all your attention and your focus, and, and now you and I getting to know each other over space. I mean, you're in Canada, Canada. I'm out here in the wilderness, little old Leapersport, Tennessee, but we're in the moment. I'm picking up on you. My internal radio is picking up your station. You and I are sharing ideas, throwing around stuff. Um, If you live in the now, it's almost like it propels you into the next minute. You don't miss out on anything. You're present. I just don't want to miss a drop. (laughs) But being so eyes wide open and so analytical, does that mess with with your faith? Because... Uh, sometimes I, I question the validity and the and the strength and depth of my faith. I, I don't have. I'm not one of those people that I think have the spiritual gift of faith. Maybe you are one of those people, but I, I sometimes I think like I'm a mile wide and a nickel deep. You know, I just uh, I I am the Thomas of today. Hmm. All I can tell you, you know, life is short, but it's wide. Um, that popped out during an award show acceptance speech. And then I, and every, every songwriter out in TV land, I'm sure, was, <laughs> hey, there's a title. All I know is that if I keep centered in realizing that everything has a spiritual solution, 
it's kind of like I have an open mind, but not so much my brains fall out. And right here on my bedside table, I have four books that I'm, I'm always, I'm such a voracious reader, I'm always going back and forth. Tell me the titles. Well, one of them is The Language of God. Okay, the other one is called Emotional Intelligence. You need to have this guy on. Why It Can Matter More Than IQ by Daniel Goleman. Emotional intelligence is about the fact that EQ, emotional intelligence, emotional quotient, is more important in your life than your IQ. Whew, that's good. You can say that to my uh, grade 8 teacher. That was the last grade I was uh, I graduated from. So. Are you serious? Uh-huh. It's great. Well, yeah, you've got to read this book. I'm getting ready to have him on my TV show. I've, I've been quoting this book for a decade, but I haven't read it all the way through. The other one by Dr. Helen Morrison is My Life Among the Serial Killers, Inside the Minds of the World's Most Notorious Murders. The other one is by, I always have my friend's books here. Um, this one is called The New Feminine Brain by my neuroscientist psychiatrist friend, uh, Dr. Mona Lisa Schultz. Um, I've got magazines here, Discover Magazine, which is so interesting. It's got a thing in there right now about, um, well, every article in it's good. The other one I'm reading is Emotional Resilience, Simple Truths for Dealing with the Unfinished Business of Your Past by Dr. Um, David Viscott. Naomi, are you? Do you ever get concerned that you're going to get too into self recovery and self healing and not not reliant enough upon your Creator? Because a lot of the stuff that you've dropped and have and are reading and are in the middle of, and you know the the circles you move in, something inside of me goes, you know, I, I just kind of wonder about the pulling factor from that whole. Look, I, I don't know you enough to say this. And, and I, I suspect you have incredible strength. I think, not even suspect, I know you have incredible strength. But but in in my journey of emotional healing, uh, sometimes God and silence have the same qualities. And when I get frustrated with those qualities, uh, I, I sometimes go elsewhere. What do you mean elsewhere? To, to those people in the world who, who can bring me some palatable research into areas of, of, of self-healing that I can actually latch on to because I'm so frustrated with the, with the silent quality of God. Oh, see, I, silence is it for me. Yeah. Um, I say silence or solitude is refreshment for my soul. That's when I'm really, that's when I really meet God. I start every morning with silence and solitude. All this other stuff is just information. Yeah. That's all it is. And then I usually know the publisher, I mean the writer. I usually, um, like I said, I just wrote a foreword uh, for two friends' books. One is um, Dr. Candace Pert. Uh, one is an old girlfriend, Kathy Napier, who uh, runs the rehab program, the addiction program for the state of New Mexico. Hmm. Um, so I always have this big stack of books here. All that to say, I know the people. So I know that where they are in their spiritual journey. And I, um, I affirm them. We'll have conversations about their hunger, their questioning, their doubts. And when we have those meeting of the minds and spirits, it, it causes me to dig deep and, and give them resources that I already have. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm certainly not um, someone who expects perfect theology out of others when my theology, I know, is so faltered and, and will probably always be. Well, not even probably. I know that that our understanding of God will never come into some sort of state of completeness. But I remember when I interviewed James Brown, and he sort of came out with some pluralistic theology, and, and, uh, and, the, and I just asked the question on our show, you know, is it possible for James Brown to be a, a genuine follower of Christ and have some have some bad theology, to get kind of pluralistic with things? And you are in this connected celebrity Hollywood political realm in which the political correct world of, of pluralism uh, infiltrates on a regular basis. And I just wonder how you constantly stay grounded at the risk of sending like a Christian bumper sticker to the rock. Well, a lot of times I can't do anything. I was at Goldie Hawn's house for a party, and she's a Buddhist. I didn't want to see her Buddhist altar. I just, I, I, it just didn't occur to me. Um, I didn't have an interest in it. I have, uh, and um, Tina Turner's a Buddhist also, and I'm glad for them that in that insanity of vanity profession, one of the most ego-centered, which means danger, danger, of all professions, I'm glad that they found a rock. I'm glad that they found something to focus their spiritual time and needs toward. Would I like to talk to them about Christ? Absolutely. If the time is ever, if it's ever there, um, I'm going to be ready, I but, hope. Yeah, but you're not a raving evangelical no. lunatic. It's like it goes back to that whole thing of I have people come up to me. I'm out doing the book signing right now for Naomi's Guide to Aging Gratefully. And I love the book signing because it's not about me talking. They always give me a microphone and ask me to speak for 10 or 15 minutes. But really I go there to hear other people's stories. And if I had I had a guy that came up and said, looked like he was about 50 years old, and in the first couple of sentences I started to suspect the midlife crisis thing, but... He said, um, I watch you, and I want what you have. The door is open, and yeah. I'm going to walk through. Cha-ching. Yep. Right. Good for you. And well, as, as uh, scriptures have said a number of times, we need to be ready to give a reason for why we believe what we believe. And uh, the ready part doesn't always mean setting up a, a soapbox and barking into the crowd or you know, irritating people at inopportune moments. Uh, quite oftentimes it means shut up. And if you look at our Judd songs, our Judd songs were blatantly spiritual. Yeah. I know where I'm going. Don't you want to come too? Yeah, sure. Um, but but what about the Christian community sinking their hooks into you and wanting to shape you and mold you into a, you know, a, 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 the poster girl for for the Jesus scene? Does that drive you a bit batty? Um, I don't give it much thought. I just try to. I mean, I am so. Um, Vulnerable, fallible. Yeah. <laughs> I found that if I don't, well, the best thing I can do is practice solitude every morning, hang out with people like Don Potter, our spiritual mentor, Dan Scott, our pastor, uh, spend a lot of time in nature. Nature sometimes will be my Bible study for the day. That's where I'm going as soon as I'm done with you. Yay! What part are you in? Well, we're just north of Toronto, up in horse country up here, so I'm going to go out to the ranch, get the horse, and I'm gone for a couple hours. Yay. I call it doing my Thoreau thing. 
<laughs> Say it again. My Thoreau. Okay. H O R E A U. Yep. Um, but if I if I just practice media fast, if I just stay with my mind and my body and my spirit connected, not my head dragging my body around. Um, if I if I'm very careful to, to have blank pages in my day timer, I have what I call whatever happens days, and that's where I just get in my car and I just go out. Good for you. Sit in a restaurant, find somebody to have lunch with, stranger. Talk to the gal at the dry cleaners. Talk to the guy at the shoe repair yesterday. Go to the car wash on Highway 96. <laughs> you know. Good for you. You know, you, you you've mentioned the, the phrase media fast here. Boy, I, I got to finish this interview. You've mentioned the phrase media fast here a couple times, and I'm going to hang on to that one. Uh, I've tried the liver cleansing diet. I've tried the Atkins <laughs> diet, and and the thing the thing that has stuck with me the most is our family. We make sure we unplug everything for two months out of every twelve months. In other words, once every six months we unplug it all. Wow, that's extreme. Well, I I think. Um, it started out with just, okay, kids, nice weather's here, get outside. And it's just developed into, well, you know what happened? We had some great feedback from the kids that said, you know, the best times that we have, the best memories that we have as a family is when we unplug things and we play games. Yep. I took a while and I on mountaintop in Appalachia for a year and a half and did that. Hmm. No TV, no telephone. They just kept threatening to report me to child services. <laughs> 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 I said, fine, call them. <laughs> We don't have a phone. <laughs> well, thank you. Folks, again, having joined us this uh, this whole chunk of time, Naomi Judd, and uh, you need to get her book. You really do. Naomi's Guide to Aging Gratefully, Facts, Myths, and Good News for Boomers. NaomiJudd.com and, of course, all of the bookstores. Uh, Naomi, from uh, from my heart to yours, as authentically as I can possibly say, thank you very, very much. We are all in this together, and I love shows like yours. Because when you're listening to the radio and you shut down the visual, you really start paying attention to the words, the intention, the tonality. And I love the fact that I have no idea what you look like. So do I. (laughs) (laughs) Because one of the things I talk about in my book, our spirit is is our real identity. I said the deepest source of our identity is God. And when we really have to depend on words, my mom used to say words of the clothes that our thoughts wear I now know that you're very well dressed <laughs> I know that about you well thank you that was very kind very <laughs> kind well and be well yeah thank you folks we'll be right back after this grandpa tell me about the good old days sometimes it feels like world's gone crazy. Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca. Grandpa, take me back to yesterday when the line between right and wrong didn't seem so easy. Lovers really thought love to stay. Stand beside each other, come what may Promise really something people can Not just something they would say Families really bow their heads to pray Daddies really never go away 
about the good old days.